0: So much pressure. An entire nation has been unjustly enslaved in the ancient land of Israel, of Egypt up to this point. You want to deliver the slaves from bondage and take them to a promised land, making good on a covenant that you made to the core of their forefathers. Your opponent is a nasty, recalcitrant Pharaoh who has no intention, thank you very much, of letting his fine slaves go free. My question For you If you are God Wearing your power pants tonight What strategy will you use To free said slaves Easy me. It's not as hard as you think Remember you're wearing your God underwear Holding the power of the universe In the palm of your hands Any and all conceivable weapons Are at your disposal Earthquakes, floods, talking donkeys You name it There's simply nothing you can't do Here's your question you want to deliver slaves from bondage and take them to a promise. How? Ah, we'll accomplish this. Ready, go. Terror coming in, you guys have an answer? From this? No, <laughs> <Terror-dactyl. laughs> <laughs> it said pterodactyls. Pterodactyls, that wasn't high. That's a all right, here hey, we go. How's the her once? We got it. Explosions. Explosions. <laughs> Dropping bombs on yeah. the fools.
1: <laughs> guys, this is the safest place well. in the world to be. A
0: flood? Okay. It worked before. It before. All, oh, okay, I'm good for it. Noah, do you know the right answer? Uh very good. The baby is the right answer. easy. Uh, oh gosh, here we go. Okay. Uh, the sound wasn't loud enough, but I gave it a try, Noah. Did you hear it? It was kinda of like your catchphrase. Uh, does the fact that God consistently does not pick the quick and easy road to freedom indicate something to you and I. This is our our question that we have to deepen our understanding of and this is what I want to work through tonight. Everyone in the book of Exodus, which is what we're going to be reading over this semester, is on a journey. Physically, we're going to watch uh, people move from slavery towards the promised land. They're not officially going to make it. Societally, they're going to leave that slavery and learn independence. So physically plus societally. And then Most importantly from last week, people are on a journey towards a realized identity of who God says they are. And the same is true for us. If everyone in Exodus, and I mean everyone, is on a pathway, um, then tonight we're gonna meet Moses. If we can learn Moses' story, I think then all of a sudden we can begin to make sense of our own story. Think about it this way, physically, societally, and then as an identity. Here at campus, you guys are within a physical experience, but IU is a society to itself that you have to learn how to navigate uh, and bring the kingdom about. And most importantly, the way that you bring about kingdom out on campus will only be sustainable and healthy relative to your identity as a follower of God. So uh, if you're new to CSF, as I hope you have heard several times tonight, please feel welcome. Last week, my uh, teaching idea was that your experience with God and with your community will define your experience. And we call that No Love Grow. All right, so one of the ways that we go on the campus very intentionally is with uh, our cycling team. And Kitty and Zach wanted to say a few words about it, so give it up. <laughs> All
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So I'm Katie. This is Zach. and we're the women and men's uh, CSF Cycling Team captain <laughs> this year. So we ride like in that race that happens every April in <laughs> the spring semester. Um, and hopefully that kind of gave you like a little bit of an idea of what Little Five is like, because I know a lot of people in this room have probably not seen a race or know what it's about. And so, like, Josh and Kira at CSF, we talk a lot about no love, grow, and that's something that you'll hear a lot, and I think that, um, you know, in that is going out and into your individual communities and spreading the gospel, and so one of the things that I love about riding for this team is that, you know, we want to be competitive and, and win the whole race, but more than that, we want to, like, be a light and show love to the Little Five community, which is not... A community where um, you know people are like predominantly Christian and all that, so it makes it really special to to ride through for Jesus and it's something. Really really cool. So if you're interested at all, we um, like invite you to talk to us. But if cycling is not your thing, but maybe you have other interests like helping us design merch or taking photos or anything like that, we'd love to collaborate with you in that way as well. The
0: outcome of knowing an intentional community, growing connected with it by eating with them and praying for them is that you gain spiritual influence. The, God, the idea is no love and grow your influence into um, our campus, your small group, uh, and our world. And so I have an example of that um, because I practice what I preach, believe it or not. And so this is the um, barista from Panera. Her name is Miss Sarah. And so yes. I wrote her the other morning. Miss Sarah, this is Josh from Panera.
1: <laughs> it's been
0: too long since I've seen you. Did you make it to Northern Indiana? Because I know she's going to be moving this in the morning. Are you doing okay? Did you step into a wardrobe and get trapped in Narnia, where a white witch drives a sleigh pulled by polar bears, with a fabulous head of dreadlocks, crowned with golden antlers, holding a scepter of might and authority, seeking to claim you as another under her dominion? frozen night so I send this to the, the barista because I'm her friend and she sends me back this Ha! no and no okay. I'll take a week off <laughs> I'm about to work today thanks for thinking of me you crazy loon it's like an upside-down means the whole point of this the whole point of this idea right here is growing spiritual influence Miss Sarah knows I'm a pastor And she knows that I notice when she's not at work for a week. And it's the sweetest thing in the world to make her laugh. She gave me a hug whenever I saw her the other day. Thanking me for checking in and knowing about her. I'm going to pray and actually jump straight into the heart of Exodus. Tonight's story, we're going to run pretty fast. But we're starting off with you talking. So I'm going to pray. We'll jump straight into the story and then you guys will uh, chitty chitty chat chat. God, we want to be the type of community where people can be themselves, where they can be authentically known and deeply loved. And um, we need your spirit to do that work in us to make others welcome. So join us tonight, God. Be in our midst, be alive and active as we. Look into your text to find our story and how we move in a broken world. Amen. All right, here it is: Exodus chapter two. We left last week talking about Pharaoh, and during that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and He remembered His covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and with Jacob. And so God looked on the Israelites, and he was concerned about this. Now, the stage has been set for deliverance. The character and the person of God has heard, he is concerned, he has seen, and remembers his promises to his people in a world where Pharaoh is killing all the male babies, throwing him the ni- mile, into the Nile, into the Nile, Moses' mother, her name is Nadanda, saves him by placing him in a homemade ark and sending him on his way. In an ironic twist, Moses is adopted by the very family seeking to have his life. He's raised and he's educated in Pharaoh's household. <clears throat> so now, we get to your questions for tonight. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, looking this way and that and seeing no one. He killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. My question for you, what is the Exodus writer asking you and I to see in this story? Is it Moses' angst about his heritage? Is it Moses' anger and self-control issues that essentially his humanity? Is this a commentary on a power hierarchy or is there something more noble buried in the sand? So I'm looking at verses 11 and 12. Moses had grown up. He went to where his own people were and watched them hard at their labor. He sees an Egyptian being a Hebrew, one of his own people for the second time. The writer tells us, looking this way and that and seeing no one kills the Egyptian and buries him in the sand. What does the writer of Exodus invite you and I to see? Okay. okay. A little depth here. Okay, so really quickly, just respond digitally, one, two, three, four, so and I'll swoop the room. Got it. Twos, four's, twos. Two's of one. Thank you. Two three two four four. You're messing me up. I can't. Lots of twos and fours. Okay. So the 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 generic room is at the 2-4. There's something about Moses that the writer wants us to see, and there's potentially something more noble. So, does anybody want to make a case for 1 or 3? I'll give you the first word. Anybody want to make a case for that? Okay. It's, it's fine that. Alright, good then. Uh, so, let's go with 2. What, what are we to know or think or understand about Moses from the storyline? Yeah.
2: I mean I think it shows obviously killing someone, you gotta be angry at least somewhat. But that's not the only time that his anger and self-control problems come up in his story throughout. I, yeah, I think the reason it's there is to kind of show his growth as, as he goes and that these problems were there from the beginning
0: that you're right. you know, he's still growing through. That's sweet. It kind of gives us a baseline, That's essentially, because we're going to watch something more noble. He's going to grow into it. Anybody else want to take a fourth stab at this? Want to add more nobility to the experience? Yeah?
2: I think that this story is not only allegorical, but it's also foreshadowing what will later happen. I think that the allegory is that Moses is, in a way, representing God's wrath and his righteous fury that he has to the
0: Egyptians for mistreating the Hebrews. Mm, love that picture. Yeah, super cool. Thanks for bringing that, um, I also
1: was gonna talk about foreshadowing, but I feel saying this as like Moses is eventually going to stand up for his people in a much better than God or by His desire to stand up for Hebrew people is still there. He just lets anger take control of
0: So good. Thank you. Uh, This is foreshadowing from God's point of view that Egypt will be dealt with, and it's foreshadowing from Moses' point of view that he will stand and fight for his people. Love it. Keep reading. Uh, The very next verses say, the next day Moses went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. So what we have here is we have two connected stories, and the writer is intentional to put them back to back. The very next day, Moses asked one of the Hebrews in the wrong, he asked the Hebrew in the room, why are you kidding your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptians? So I'm going to give you this question. What is the connection from these two stories? Can't bear your past? Hell. Loose lips and chips? the Lambert got it right, everyone dies famous in a small town, or is there something more noble? Let's read it one more time. The next day Moses went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Okay? The question is, why are these two stories back-to-back, back and what is the connection? Okay, right. you guys go. One, four, one, four. Okay, we've got very clear ones and fours happening. Five. <laughs> 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 okay, for the first time I've seen some different numbers. Thank you. All right, so let's give it up for the twos and the threes. Anybody want to make a case for loose lips, sinking ships, or the idea of everyone dies famous? What was your definition
2: of being again? Of the loose of the lips?
0: Yeah. Uh, whenever the Hebrew looks at Moses and says, Are you going to treat us like you did the Egyptian yesterday? Yeah. Loose huh? lips. Or it gets around fast. Nobody wants to take those. Okay, so one and four were. Oh, sorry. Oh, sure. sorry. Uh, I was going to say received. Yeah. Because we see Moses screw up. Then he tries to hide it. But word gets around pretty fast. So. Somehow he didn't they do a good job of fighting it or what. We don't know how it got found out, but we do see that what you do will come around. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Which is the combo of one, right? Is Soren of essentially setting the foundation for one to be like, what you do will eventually come around? Yeah. Okay, so anybody want to make a, a more definitive case for one based off of that starting point? Okay. Anybody want to take this a little more noble one more time because this is your opportunity. Yeah, I think,
2: that, like, I mean, obviously, he, did, he like, didn't have much self-thinkable and stuff, but his morals stayed like, the same. Like, in the first case where the Egyptian attacks, he kills them, but then it's his own people. He tries to mend type defenses. Like, he goes to them and he asks them what he's
0: doing. So, like, in his mind, he's fighting for his people. I like that. It's the morality of protection at one point and leadership fighting for morality. In the second, he goes to the person he went wrong. Did I get that right? Love it. Yeah, Christopher, round two.
2: I think that there also is another case of foreshadowing here because um, Moses, in a way, delivers that Hebrew from danger, and then um, late the next day the Hebrews are fighting. And in Bible, we you know once that God does deliver the Israelites to the Promised Land, they begin
0: fighting and they split up into the
2: different kingdoms of you know, Israel versus Judah. Yeah.
0: Nice. I like the way that your mind goes macro and off of things in micro and finds that connection. That's really cool. Anybody else want to take four? Yeah, Sorry. Sorry. I,
2: I think I, I think I have one like, version of it. that could be going the opposite direction. Me. I think this might tie back to that self-control thing of like he's still running and putting his nose in business where he doesn't belong and mm-hmm. still trying to play the savior and I think this Israelite kind of stands the way of like, being like Sort of stand-up for God, I'm like, you're not ready yet. Yeah. Like you just murdered someone yesterday. You're not. <laughs> where, you're good. You're you're not where
1: you need to be to be
2: this savior for our people yet. You're you're you've got a lot of growth to do still, and I think that it's equal to Moses in a place of like. A, I feel like a lot of times Christians feel like we can just swoop in and save the day because of because that's what we think we can do. But <laughs> like, and I think. This is an example of kind of taking a step back, like we're not there yet, and that's not our place necessarily to do. Until God helps us get there, I want to go. on
1: it. The thing that stood out to me in this story is that the Hebrew asked him, "Who gives you authority?" And eventually Moses comes back and says, "I am giving authority to do these things." And so right now he doesn't have authority until God gives it to him. So
0: that stood out. To me. She said. Moses does not have authority, but at one point he will come back with authority. I love that. There's one more story in this thread, and it says this. So if you'll notice, I've gone 11, 12, 12, 13, 14, and now he's going 15, 16, 17. I'm just reading my Bible with you guys and stopping. Here we go. 15, 16, 17. When Pharaoh heard of this, He tried to kill Moses. Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flocks. Some shepherds came along and drove them away. But Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered the flocks. we have three stories back to back to back and for the first time now that I'm preaching through this book with you guys I went slowly enough to consider why Moses can't bury the news of the murder as he that he did the body once he gets to Midian guys he encounters for the third time injustice this time Injustice is at the hands of male shepherds harassing the female shepherds. All three stories have connected qualities of justice. And maybe this is approaching the answer of why God chooses Moses to eventually rescue his people. Thank you so much for participating in concert, in conversation, guys. When we hold the text together, we get smarter. By it What I found here is that God Is looking for someone Who will Who won't just go and and, uh, Preach at Pharaoh He is looking for someone to go And be a message To Pharaoh And the same is true for you on campus In your fraternity In the dorm In your apartment God will choose you to be his message In a broken world and if I'm honest, as I say that, I can hear you all whining inside your head. I don't know what to say. I'm not a pastor. I'm not even a very good Christian. Where's Dan? and? I want to go with somebody. Sometimes I stutter. Oh. I don't even know if <laughs> you God. <laughs> 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 Would you use any of these excuses? And obviously, some of you know the story. Those are exactly the excuses that Moses. Used. He's a fugitive murderer, fearful of the people that he ultimately will lead. You guys, here is the part that it does not say in that text. You have to read the whole story to understand it. Moses will use the next 40 years building a career that God will ask him to leave. And the co workers of his current career don't talk back. Now, a little public service announcement from one of our CSF leaders to encourage you all to bring a Bible and hold it. The reason why that public service announcement comes out today is because I can only put so many verses up on the screen for you, but when you write in your own Bible, oh, write the Bible? Yes, please do. It takes on a life of its own. And you can quickly see all the stories I'm reading. Out. Like in Exodus, why does Moses try or I'm sorry, why does God try to kill Moses in these same chapters that I can't preach on right now? How many gods show up in the burning bush scene, which is also in the chapters that we're not touching tonight? And I didn't get the sly fox reference from earlier. What is up with that? The public service announcement is grab a Bible and find the character of God in the story for yourself. Because God meets Moses caring for sheep. This priest of Midian, these shepherdesses that, that Moses goes and fight for them, one of them eventually becomes his wife. And the priest of Midian takes Moses under his wing, and Moses then goes into the desert for the next 40 years, building a career learning how to lead with his voice, not with his stick. Moses learns in the desert that Pharaoh, as a worldview, doesn't lead sheep very well. I pulled out this little passage for you. Any middle eastern shepherd will tell you that sheep are trained to know their shepherd's voice and commands. And they truly will follow just the name and the movement of sheep. That is what God uses an entire career to train Moses how to do before he sends him on a completely new career path. You guys, the teaching idea from tonight is that God will not choose the easy and quick method to solving your problems. He chooses and uses an entire career of shepherding to put Moses finally ready in the place to lead his people where the power of Pharaoh, the power of the Pharaoh will not be the but Moses has already exhibited the qualities of justice in a broken world. He's just done it wrong and he needed to learn how to use his power of his voice. This idea of no love grow, row, being about the places, eat with those people and pray for them. I want to show you all that I do this type of ministry even when I'm not with you guys. That's why Miss Sarah is such a ride to me. This is our moment for the last time for you guys to stop and talk. It's the application of this story. And so my question for you is this. What's the connection for you between Moses and your story? What qualities of the kingdom do you see yourself using in a broken world? And then the second question what does it mean to know the voice of Jesus. How can knowing the voice become more familiar for you and your community in this season? I'm going to stop. You guys can talk and then Jake will bring us back.